Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. And welcome back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And my name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. Uh, We got some bad news a little while ago. I know this isn't retro gaming news, but Sony and Disney or Sony and Marvel Studios are at odds over the future of Spider-Man and its uncertainty at this point. And I'm upset. I'm upset. You brought it. (laughs) Mom and dad are fighting. Uh, damn it. I don't like it. All right, so we'll we'll go ahead and we'll we'll dive right into this story. Uh, this comes to us from IGN. So this broke earlier. Now there has been a little bit of an update to it since I first saw it. I, I saw this on Twitter earlier today, and I actually posted on uh Facebook. I said, You've got to be kidding me. Hmm. The headline reads Spider-Man out of the MCU if Marvel and Sony can't reach deal. So the story has been updated since original published with new reports from the trades and our own sources. Spider-Man's future in the MCU remains unclear due to a series of reports detailing a breakdown of negotiations between Sony Pictures and Disney slash Marvel. Deadline first reported that Marvel will not produce any further Spider-Man films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe due to an inability between Sony Pictures and Disney to release new terms that would have given Disney a co-financing stake moving forward. A later variety made Spider-Man's fate seem a bit murkier, reporting that Sony and Marvel had reached an impasse in negotiations, but that a source indicates a deal might still be reached between Disney and Sony, but there are no talks currently going on. Mm. Uh, Luke wanted to weigh in on the uh, the news, and he doesn't like the, the Spider-Man thing, do you, kitty? You don't like it? <laughs> no, he doesn't. So I, I will say this, with with all due respect to Sony and to Marvel slash Disney. Have you lost your minds? <laughs> Here, I have this something was to play the for best that. thing that happened to Spider-Man. You these are easily, the, these are easily the best live action Spider-Man movies that have ever been made. Yeah. His inclusion in the MCU has been fantastic. Tom Holland is great. All the other characters have been really good, really well cast. I don't want there to be a reboot. It cannot happen. If it happens, I will not watch any of the rebooted Spider-Man movies. Uh, I will say that right now. I will boycott anything mm-hmm. that Sony does, minus the the animated movies. Those are actually really good. But as far as live action goes, I will not watch any of them if this falls through. Yeah, we were talking about that before we started. And uh, I think w- w- this is something we could actually band together as, as, as fellow nerds, all couple of hundred million of us that love these movies that if uh, if they don't come to some sort of agreement and it goes back to uh you know a sony pro- a full sony property and they reboot the franchise we are going to boycott and i think that's something we could actually pull off a full well boycott. think of it 
even if they continue with the Tom Holland movies, they can't mention anything with Thanos and the snap. Mm-hmm. They can't mention Tony Stark. They they would have to basically start from scratch. Yeah. Because I don't know yeah. how you move on and not mention anything that's previously happened. Because Tony Stark was such a huge influence on this incarnation of Spider-Man. Yep. That, that you might as well reboot it. But the thing is, if you do that, people are going to shit all over it. I know. <laughs> it's As they say down here in the South, it ain't going to be pretty no, if that it's happens. Not. It's I, like I, you sent me a, a, a message a little while ago and another friend of mine both sent me messages almost the same time was just like Spider-Man's not in the MCU anymore. And I was like, and I was taking a nap at the time and I was like, am I dreaming? Like did that, is this real? And then I got get on Facebook. I'm just like, I just like my face hurts from the, the face palming that I was doing at the time. And I, I don't. I don't even have. I'm gonna do it again. You blow it. I just. I have nothing to say. I don't even. I can't formulate my thoughts right now into to something coherent. So it's I'm great gonna, when corporate greed ruins a fan base. I'm gonna give it. I'm hoping that they they will come to some sort of agreement in the next couple of days. Um, if not, that'll give me a week to kind of formulate my thoughts <laughs> so that but we can have you know, a better discussion next week. They've got to figure it out. They have to. But between the two of them, like, how can they not? I don't know. If I, anything, I Disney should just buy the rights. They have the money. That's what I said. I texted my other friend. I was like, Disney's got the money. Why don't they just swoop in and just you know, pay you know, $5 billion for the character. I mean, he's, they'll make their money back. And they've made, you know, that plus more already this year. Yeah. And they'll make it back next year. They'll so it's make, like, what does it matter? That's pocket change to, to Disney at this point. So what does it matter? Not to sound extremely vulgar, but we need Disney to just flop their dick out right yeah, now. Right now, just that the big Mickey Mouse dick just right on the yeah, table. Just, <laughs> here's five million dollars like and someone Uh, would be like oh uh, okay uh, just give them something that they would be complete idiots to turn down yeah man i don't like it i don't like this i knew this day was gonna come i just didn't think it would be this soon yeah i figured it would happen maybe within like the next three years yeah i figured there'd be at least another another Spider-Man film, maybe two more. And then they would have some type of a a disagreement about money. But because I didn't know how long the contract was for, I I thought it was gone. You know, it was kind of in not, it was almost like an in perpetuity type of thing. I didn't know there was like a set time limit for it. Yeah. It's just not, it's not, it's not a good time. It is not. It hasn't been a good afternoon. Well, uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we go into the news for this evening? Um, Exciting news. As of the day we're recording this, there are five baseball games left. Nice. Almost there. Friday Friday through Tuesday. And then that's it. Fantastic. I bet you're excited. I'll just be happy to, you know, have a normal 
a normal schedule. Like you, you can tell around the office that everyone's just kind of ready for it to to be over. But I, I think the five days are going to be the longest, just because you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I mean, you know how it is. Like if I compare it to if you're going to go on a vacation, mm-hmm. the week leading up to it just takes forever because you have something you're looking forward to. Yes. Oh yeah. So happy to, you know, wrap up the season and then have time to work on other projects. I'll be starting back my podcast uh, the week after that, and you know, look forward to some fall weather. Yeah, I know. I'm so looking forward to cooler weather. This, the weather's awful. Spider Man's not in the MCU anymore. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Great stuff. Let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Sure. Let me bring this up real quick, and there we go. Well, they must have been listening to our show a few weeks ago when I mentioned this very thing. Uh, This is on bloodydisgusting.com. Splatterhouse finally added to the TurboGrafx-16 Mini. Uh, so like me, you were probably disappointed that Konami hadn't included Splatterhouse in their upcoming TurboGrafx-16 Mini Retro Console. Yes, I agree with that sentence. Truthfully, the system never had a lot of horror titles, which made this decision especially egregious. Um, let's see. Luckily, Konami has listened to old-school gamer complaints and has actually added an additional seven games to the system, one of which is Namco's Classic. The other six non-Splatterhouse games to be added are the Japanese-language Galaga 88, Dragon Spirit, The Legend of Valkyrie, The Genji, and The Heike Clans, Serei Senshi, uh, Serei Syra... How do you say that? Serei Senshi... Spriggan? Yeah, Serei Senshi Spriggan and Spriggan Mark II. Uh, The full list of games now includes 25 English-language games and 32 Japanese-language games. Um, It will be $99.99 as an Amazon exclusive and comes out March 19, 2020. Um, Just for Splatterhouse alone makes me way more interested in purchasing the TurboGrafx-16 Mini. I really wish they would have made it a little more about an $80 price point, but there is a lot of games on this thing, so kind of evens out. Yeah, I still think 100 for me personally, is still a bit too much. Yeah. I may still end up getting it anyway, just because I never experienced the TurboGrafx. Yeah. And I always wanted but- one, so this is... This uh, this is looking more and more interesting to me as as it goes along. Yeah, and March will be here before you know it. I mean, we'll have this the Genesis Mini coming out next month to tie us over, yeah. and then we'll have this. So it, it's good timing because you know when the the Genesis comes out, that'll give us new content to review, and yeah. so will this. I think. Yeah, I think so, and um, that'll give us a lot of uh, expansion in our library of things to uh to review and i'm excited for that like don't get me wrong i still love the nintendo and and doing nintendo titles but i really want to expand out and start doing some some different um consoles yeah same i know after after i do my review this week i'm going to post a poll on patreon uh with a few games that i have in mind and let the uh let the patrons decide yeah 
Let's see. Our next story comes to us from Forbes.com. SNES games could be coming to Nintendo Switch soon. New patents suggest it's about time. Uh, the Nintendo Switch and the SNES is a match made in heaven, or at least it seems like one. Modern pixel art games that call back to the golden age of 16-bit graphics already thrive on this system. Lifted both by the hardware and broad nostalgia for those classics like Super Metroid, Link to the Past, and more. And now it seems we may actually get a chance to play some more of those Nintendo-developed SNES classics on the new console, even if there's no announcements or specifics yet. Let's see. A recent patent filing from Nintendo should look very familiar to anyone over the age of 25 or so. It's a Bluetooth controller with a distinctive shape, mostly rectangular with two bulbs at either end, forming the basis of what would eventually become the standard controller design that dominates today. It's clearly an SNES controller echoing the NES controllers that Nintendo made available for playing older games on the Switch. I mean, I think it was really only a matter of time. Yeah. You know, the the demand, and I could see this being possibly something that is, is as early as Christmas. Yeah is the first batch of Super Nintendo games being released uh, for the Switch. Well, honestly, I never got the uh, the Nintendo controllers for the Switch to play the uh, the 8-bit games on because I've been kind of hoping that they would come out with an SNES-style controller because that's <clears throat> what I use to play, you know, all of my uh, ROMs with on the computer is an actually it's based off the um, the SNES controller because that was always my favorite controller even to play, you know, regular Nintendo games on, it's just such a comfortable controller to play with. Way more comfortable than the original, um, you know, NES controllers. So even if it's, I don't see why they would put this out without having Super Nintendo games finally out on the Switch. So it's just, I just wish they would go ahead and announce something. Yeah, and one last little note on this article. It says this would be consistent with a data mine earlier in the year that found files relating to a bunch of SNES games inside the online service, which I believe we talked about earlier in the year. Uh, this was posted on Twitter uh, around January. It was posted by at Cappuccino Heck, Cappuccino with a K. Uh, I was finally able to look around NES online strings a bit myself and notice the sheer amount of SNES, SNES games planned that includes Super Mario Kart, Link to the Past, Demon's Crest, Yoshi's Island, Kirby's Dream Course, Star Fox, Contra 3, Super Ghouls and Ghost, Kirby's Dream Land 3, Super Metroid, Super Mario World, Pilot Wings, and F-Zero. That just sounds like a fun weekend right there. I think that's, if you release those, that's a, a very solid list because yeah. you've got the known Mario games, you've got Zelda, and you've got Metroid. And, and I would even throw in, you know, Star Fox and F-Zero right below that. You know, if you have that, that's a that's a solid start to your Super Nintendo library. Yeah, if they drop all of those at once, holy crap. That's a I lot know. of games to drop. That, that will be what gets me to play Link to the Past again oh, yeah. all the way through. <laughs> I will play that game any day, anywhere, on any system. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, I will go ahead and say it, the, the most perfect video game that's ever been made. It's definitely up there. Don't you say it it's will, definitely up there. It's the best game ever made. You go ahead and you admit it right now. We've had this discussion. <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. 
You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> so what's our next story? <laughs> uh, let's see. One more story to take us out for tonight uh, in the news section. If I can get it. To... I don't want your pop-ups, Wired. Stop it. All right. From Wired.com. What are... This is the most, like, just... It's an obnoxious website. Obnoxious. I had to close, like, three pop-up ads. Okay, Nintendo is taking down... The reason I put this in here is because this is probably going to end up affecting us a little bit because we do play music from the games. Like, you know, we start off at the very beginning talking about our Patreon with the uh, the Ninja Gaiden music, and we always play music from uh, Mario, and we play uh, music from the games that we... <clears throat> from the games that we review. But uh, Nintendo, Nintendo is taking down YouTube archives of its music. Um, Welcome to Replay. Uh, let's see, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Nintendo is taking down the archives. First off, Nintendo has every right to request that YouTube take down archives of its video game music. Second, that's still a bummer. As Kotaku reports, Nintendo has recently started throwing down copyright strikes against YouTube channels that archive their games and music for casual listening. Uh, Gilva Sunner, a channel that archived music from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, and Super Smash Bros. 3DS, among many others, received at least 115 copyright claims regarding music from Fire Emblem Awakening, with other channels also reporting similar strikes. Um, what do you think about this? I mean, I understand this, but it's not like Nintendo makes money off of offering up archives of its music. I don't understand why they would do this. If Nintendo is going to do it, then they should create their own YouTube channel with all their music on it. Exactly. Available for everyone. Yeah. That's all I'll say. I just don't understand Nintendo sometimes. It's like they don't It doesn't understand. make any sense. It's not hurting anything. Yeah. It's, I just don't get it. Like They're just so... It's like they don't understand the internet. Or something I don't, I don't get it. No, they really don't. I mean, what they really don't. Like, I hope we don't get struck for you know playing music from from Gunsmoke or <laughs> you know uh, Excite Bike or something. Like, who cares? It's eight bit music from games that are thirty something years old, and it's the only yeah. way to listen to these these songs is on YouTube. It makes absolutely zero sense. I mean, well, I, I understand why, because it's their property, but at the same time, it's not like people just post, you know, like a, a, a graphic with the, the game's logo on it, and it's a music track. Yeah. I, I use YouTube to listen to video game music all the time. Yeah. But like I said before, if you're going to pull all of your music from other people's YouTube channels, then make a Spotify channel, make your own YouTube channel and call it like Nintendo Music yep. and and post all of it there. And that gives people access to it. That's all they have to do. Same thing with their Nintendo library for the Nintendo Switch. Just vomit out about 200 games and you'll make us happy and make it worth it. You know? I mean, come on. Come on, Nintendo. Time to get out of the, the 80s and, and into the, the future. Exactly. But uh, but I guess it's time to go ahead and move into the news. Oh, not the news. This month in video game history. Uh, 
In August of 1983, Sega releases Astron Belt in Europe as the first Laserdisc game in the region. Sounds like a constellation. It does. Like a real-life constellation. Let's see. uh, It's a form of a third-person space combat rail shooter released in 1983 by Sega in Japan and licensed to Bally Midway for release in the U.S. Mm. And the, the cover art's kind of interesting. It's not bad. No. I mean, I've never heard of this game personally, but still, it's pretty neat. Yeah, I think I remember talking about it last year. On August 23rd, 1983, Origin Systems publishes Ultima 3 Exodus, one of the first role-playing video games to use tactical turn-based combat. It is released for the Apple II, Atari 800, Commodore 64, and IBM PC. Already on Ultima 3 by 1983. It's crazy. Yeah, they were just pumping those things out. Yeah, they were. Man. Uh, August of 1986, Balloon Fight, an action video game developed by Nintendo. The original arcade version was released for the Nintendo Versus system as Versus Balloon Fight, and its Nintendo Entertainment System counterpart was an, an international rele- internationally, if I can talk tonight, released in 1986. Um, Balloon Fight's one of the games that they have on the, uh, the Nintendo Switch, and I always love Balloon Fight. It's such a fun game to play. I believe it's on the NES Classic as well. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's, I, I didn't really play it when I was younger, but I've played it a few times on the Classic, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a takeoff. I actually like joust. it quite a bit. It's kind of a Joust clone, but I actually think I like Balloon Fight better than Joust. On August 22nd, 1987, Nintendo releases The Legend of Zelda in America and Europe a year after being available in Japan. It's crazy to think that that franchise is hmm. now almost, you know, before you know it, it'll be 35 years old. I know. Starting to make you feel old, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, also, <laughs> but no, August- Zelda's, you know, we've said so much about Zelda. It's oh, yeah. my personal favorite franchise, and the first game is fantastic. Yeah, I'm still excited for the next. Uh, uh, what are, they, what are they calling the next one? Is it going to be called uh, Breath of the Wild 2? I'm sure they'll come up with some other name for it, but it, it is a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I love that game so much. Yeah. I want to start a new file, but I don't want to erase my old one. Yeah, me too. I, I have that same predicament. I don't know why they won't let you do multiple files. That's stupid. Yeah. Uh, also in August of 1987, August 28th to be exact, Konami releases Castlevania II Simon's Quest, the second Castlevania title released for the NES, and the game that I'm going to be reviewing for Halloween Horror Month this year. Because I've done one and three, I still haven't done two. I've done the good ones, now i got to do the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what we say every now and then on this on this show. We have reviews every now and then that just aren't good you know we've both recently reviewed bad games yeah we did but it does fit in with the theme honestly i don't think simon's quest is going to end up being a bad game because i've heard that it's very enjoyable if you use uh, a walkthrough with it because the problem with the game was is um originally it's very hard to understand while you're playing the game because the translation from kanji to american or english 
uh, kanji takes up a lot less room, um, a lot less space than the English language does. And I learned this on the video game years. So when it translated to the English language, there wasn't enough room. So you get these weird cryptic um, instructions on what you're supposed to do in the game. So it comes across as, you know, broken English and very hard to understand things that you're supposed to do. So if you have a walkthrough, it's actually, I've heard it's a very enjoyable game because, you know, you actually understand what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I saw you and Brandon Rutledge had a brief convo on Facebook yeah. about that. But I'm I'm excited to play it. I, I love the first one. Third one, I remember, um, if I remember correctly, it had way too many damn stairs in it, but uh, still a good game nonetheless. First one's still a classic. It's, that's all. That will always be my favorite. Yeah, I still got to figure out games to review in October mm-hmm. for and our Halloween month. Did we tell everyone what we're going to be doing for the month of Halloween this year? We're going to do those two extra episodes. I don't think we discussed it on the actual show. Do we want to? I think we talked about it after. Now, or do we? Um, let's let's save it for the end. Okay. Oh yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, I'll actually make a note right now. Okay. Yeah, because I'll forget. But uh, on August 27th of 1992, Nintendo releases Super Mario Kart, the first in the Mario Kart series, creating the mascot slash go-kart subgenre of racing games. Love Mario Kart. Yeah, I was actually playing uh, Double Dash a couple of days ago. You know, the, the first Mario Kart game doesn't quite hold up like you would think, but it's still such an iconic piece of video game history. Oh, yeah. You know, it started a revolution of racing games. I mean, we're still playing them, and they're still good. Yeah. And there's really not a terrible Mario Kart game out there. No, I don't think so. I, I, of course, I never played the one for N64, but I, so I don't know how well that one holds up. The The Mario Kart 64 game is, is okay. It, it's towards the bottom of my... You know, if I were to rank all the Mario Kart games, it would be towards the bottom. Yeah. But it, it's it's still enjoyable. Hmm. I'd love to play it, though. Uh, I, I would like to have Mario Kart for every system. Actually, I thought I got so I almost got really lucky. I thought I found a uh, um, a Nintendo Wii at the Goodwill the other day for five dollars, a black Wii. Oh, and wow. With I didn't know the, those things existed. With all the controllers, I'm like, this thing's nice. It was five bucks. So I'll bring it up to the front, and she's like, oh, the, the bag of accessories goes to a different one that's 50 I'm like, if I'm going to pay $50 for a Wii, I'm going to go to the Play and Talk and get one that I know works. You know? Yeah. I, I don't trust the Goodwill that says works or as is, 50 bucks. I'm like, no, nah, nah, I'm not going to do that. No. But uh, we got two no. more before we get out of here for uh, this month in video game history. August 6th of 1996, AOL by Sierra's Imagination Network from AT&T for a reported $15 million. Now, I do n- not remember the Imagination Network. Was that the online? Uh, yes, I think so. Sierra Online. Uh, I'm trying to... There's a lot of text here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember that was some sort of online way to play the Sierra games. And that seems like, I mean, that's 
even for 1996, that doesn't sound like a lot of money, you know, $15 million. Yeah. It's crazy to think that that was around the time or maybe a little bit before then. That was when the internet really became a public thing. Yeah. Well, and now really, I can't think of life without it. AOL had only been around for like, what, two or three years by that point? Something like that. Yeah. Let's see. To close us out, out month in video game history, on August 24th, 1996, the Valve Corporation is founded. Hmm, Valve. Well, now we have Steam, where we get lots of uh, computer games for cheap. Or as we sometimes like to call them, Vigia games. Vigia games. Of course, uh, Valve created uh, Half-Life, which everyone's angry that they haven't come out with a new Half-Life game in like 15 years. Uh, Counter-Strike, which people still play to this day. Portal, one of the... Have you ever played Portal? Dude, Portal is so fun. I've heard about it. I've never played it. I know there's a second one too, yes. right? It's just as good as the first one. You need to play Portal. That is a puzzle game for the ages. Yeah, and I need to check it out. They put they 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 made Team Fortress, uh, the Team Fortress series, the Left 4 Dead series, and the Dota, the Dota Two games. So, left Valve has led quite a legacy over the last thirty, what twenty two, twenty three years. Yeah. You want to know what four of the most pop or most in demand words are in the world of video games? What? Half Life Three confirmed. Yeah, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> nah, if it were gonna come out, I think it would have done so by now. Yeah, and when it finally does come out, I think it's it'll suffer the same fate as uh, Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, I was hoping that game would do well. Yeah, I mean, I never played Duke Nukem, <laughs> but I, I liked the idea of Duke Nukem. Yeah, I love playing Duke Nukem back in the 90s, but he just he didn't translate well to the 2000s. No. No, they did not. But uh, before we go into our review for tonight, I would just like to mention that um, if you would like to help support this show and you would like for us to do extra episodes every month, like our uh, commentary episodes where we do commentary tracks for... Uh, video game or geeky films such as The Wizard, which we've done before, and Super Mario Brothers, the movie, which is, uh, I think, Derek and my favorite episode we've ever done for this show. If you would like to do that, us to do that every month, get us back up to that $50 level so where we can do that every month for you guys. So it's just a dollar, $2, or $3 a month, whatever you want to give us. And uh, just head over there to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and throw us a few bucks a month. Anything you want to add to that, Mr. Derek? Uh, I do not. Um, so I'm to let the listeners know and those who are watching live, I'm using my laptop because my desktop decided to do an automatic update about 45 minutes before we were supposed to go live, which as I look over, it was at... I think 18% when we started and it's sitting at a nice 27. Oh, awesome. So that ought to be about yeah. a three day update. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm just going to let it sit for the night. Awesome. Um, I'm going to try and log into the Patreon to give our, uh, our uh, patrons a shout out. So I'll, um, I'll work on that and we'll do that uh, at the end of the show. Okay. Well, let me go ahead and play a little music here.
So this is actually going to be a first for this podcast because Jason and I have been discussing over the last couple of weeks is where does the GameCube fit when it comes to retro gaming? Because the GameCube was made in the early 2000s. And my thought was I've reviewed games that have come out in the year 2000 or later. I know Majora's Mask came out in 2000. I've done at least a couple of other ones that have been a you know post-2000 release. So us two plus a couple of the listeners were like, yeah, I think GameCube would be fine. And I knew that when we started reviewing GameCube games, there was one game that I wanted to be the first. And that is what I will be reviewing this evening. The Nintendo GameCube classic Pikmin. And I know this which is going to sound bad, and I might have to turn in my retro gaming nerd card, but I'd never even heard of Pikmin until you uh, mentioned it. Well, let me educate you on <laughs> Pikmin. Because this, this is, when it comes to GameCube games, if I had to pick my three favorite Wind Waker would be on there. Uh, Smash Brothers Melee would be probably number two. And number third would be this one. So Pikmin is a real-time strategy and puzzle video game developed and published by Nintendo for the GameCube in 2001. It was created and produced by Shigeru Miyamoto and is the first game in the Pikmin series. The player controls Captain Olimar, an alien who crash lands on a mysterious planet where he befriends creatures called Pikmin and uses their abilities to collect the parts for the SS Dolphin, his beloved ship. The player has 30 days to recover the pieces and repair the ship. So I remember seeing trailers and other previews for this game, and it it looked fairly interesting because it wasn't a type of game that I was used to playing. You know, I was strictly, you know, platformer, and I would play Zelda and other RPG-type games. I was never really big into puzzle games other than the occasional round of Tetris. But the world of Pikmin kind of drew me in. And this being, you know, it wasn't, I don't think it was a launch title. I think it came out roughly a month after the GameCube was released. The same thing happened with Smash Brothers Melee. And from the beginning of playing it, you know, I was hooked because this game is addictively fun. And I kind of gave a brief overview of what the story is. So you, you play as this alien named Captain Olimar. He's flying through space in his ship and he gets hit by a meteorite and crashes on this planet. And when he enters the atmosphere, his ship practically falls apart and all of his parts are scattered throughout the planet. When you land, you find this, you find what's an onion because it's called an onion and it's kind of shaped like that. And the onion is what houses uh, the Pikmin. And there are three different types of Pikmin that you can use. Uh, first, you discover the red ones, which are kind of your, they're the strongest fighters. So whenever you fight the different wildlife throughout the planet, reds are primarily what you want to have because they're the strongest and you can just take like 50 Pikmin out and you can kill most enemies fairly easily if you just swarm them because you can tr- you control them with the C stick. You can move, um, you can move them in whatever direction you want. You can throw them onto enemies so or if, like I said, if you have a ton of them, you can just swarm like a small enemy and they'll kill them practically instantly. They're almost like ants in so a how way. How do you use them? Are they like, um, are they like, I don't understand how you use them. <laughs> okay, so you use the Pikmin when you find your ship part. So Olimar can't pick a ship part up by himself. So say like the first thing you find is the ship's engine. 
Mm -hmm. Olimar obviously can't pick that up. So you use the Pikmin to carry it for you, and they carry the parts back to the ship. And depending on the size of the part, there are different um, amounts of Pikmin that you have to use. So say like if you throw one Pikmin onto a ship part, it'll show you how many Pikmin you need to carry it. Okay. So that's the primary objective, but you can also, uh, you find these little seed pellets that the Pikmin take to their onion and that will sprout more Pikmin. So say, and depending on what color they are, so say you'll find different seeds with different numbers on them. So say if you find a, a red one that has the number one on it, if you get a red Pikmin to carry it to the red onion, it'll sprout out two because it's the same color. Whereas if you get a yellow one and it carries a red one, it only sprouts out one. Mm. And all the Pikmin have different abilities. Like I said, the red ones are your fighters and they're also immune to fire. Because as you advance in the game, you find enemies that have kind of strange abilities. So you, I can't remember the exact name of it because they all have weird names, but you find what basically looks like an anteater that can spit fire out of its nose. Mm -hmm. So if you try and attack it with a yellow one or a blue one, then it's, it's going to burn them. Whereas if you attack them with a red one, it's not going to do anything. Yeah. Um, yellow Pikmin are lighter in weight, so you can throw them up to higher platforms. And they also carry what are called bomb rocks. You find rocks with yellow um, yellow cracks in them. And um, you can throw them at uh, stone walls and it will cause them to fall down because you have to knock some of those down to progress further in the, the area that you're in. And then blue ones have little gills on them because they're the only ones that can go underwater. The other ones will just drown. I've learned that the hard way through playing this game several times. Because um, there are some parts that you'll find that are buried underwater. And so you'll have to take like 50 blue Pikmin into one area and get them to, um, to carry it. And that's what you learn throughout the game. Because the, the areas get bigger as well. So say like the more, the more ship parts that you find, it increases the ship's flying capability. And there are five different areas, I believe, that you go to. Let's see, one, yeah, there's five. And you can say, for example, if you know where all the ship parts are, because one that you find early in the game is your radar, and you can use that to actually look at a map and see where the ship parts in that area are located. Mm -hmm. And you can send, say, 30 blue Pikmin underwater to carry you know, another part. And then you can run back to the onion, grab some yellow Pikmin, and throw them up on a ledge where another part's at, and get them to carry that. So you 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 learn to multitask yeah. throughout the game. And I think what makes this game stand out more than the others is that with this one, you have that sense of urgency. So you have 30 days to repair your ship because Olimar is um, oxygen is very toxic to him. Mm -hmm. And his uh, suit's life support will only last 30 days. So you, I think you need 25 out of the 30. And there are five that are just more like accessories that you don't really need. If you find the correct parts in 30 days, he'll take off and he'll go back home. Hmm. If he does not, then 
you can probably guess what happens. <laughs> so I know I threw a lot of information out there. So, so do yeah. you have any questions about Pikmin? Um, it just sort of seemed, it, remind, it kind of reminded, there was this game out for the Xbox 360 a few years ago, and I'm trying to remember the name of it, but you controlled this guy with the left stick, but he had like all these little minions that you controlled with the right stick. And now I can't remember the name of that game. Uh, Lord something or over overlord. Was it overlord? Do you remember that game? I don't think so. Uh, that's what that's the vibe I'm getting from this. Let, let me look up real quick on, let's see if I can find overlord. If that's the right. Lord. But one cool little Easter egg, and it's something that you figure out fairly early on in the game. Oh, uh, the yeah. planet you're on is is Earth, okay. and you assume yeah. it's you know years after humans have become extinct, because a lot of the wildlife you'll see have evolved. There are a lot of hybrids of different types of animals. So one of the bosses that you fight was actually, I think, three of these you have to fight are these bird-like creatures that are a combination of a bird and a snake. So picture a long, skinny body with a bird's head and beak that can burrow underground. Huh. Well, and then here. there... Um, oh, go ahead. says that Overlord was a 2007 video game for the Xbox, and it centers around simultaneously controlling the Overlord and an army of goblin-like minions to traverse the 3D game world and defeat the seven heroes who slew the Overlord's predecessor and uh, who have been since corrupted by power. I remember playing this game a few times, and that's just kind of the vibe I'm getting from this, kind of like controlling minions and stuff like that. So I'm just, I'm, I'm still kind of confused as to the gameplay of this. I'm going to have to actually look at some gameplay of this on YouTube, because um, it seems like this was actually a pretty popular series. Oh, yeah. No, and it spawned um, three sequels. Pikmin 2 came out for the GameCube a couple of years after that. And Pikmin 2 was, was a lot of fun, too. It introduces um, new types of Pikmin, and you don't have a time limit. You go back to Earth to basically find treasure. Hmm. Um, the third one came out for the Wii U, and that one was okay. But to me, that one, it made the gameplay a little too complicated. Because you could play, I believe, as three characters at one time. And it, once you get the hang of it, you know, it, it's, it makes it really easy, but it almost makes it too easy yeah. to accomplish things. Like, I, I like the first one because you play as just Olimar. And you're looking around, you know, the different areas trying to find your ship parts. And you also have to get, you have to use your Pikmin to um, break down certain walls or certain barriers, like building bridges that cross water to reach, you know, an island that has a ship part on it, or using the bomb rocks to destroy walls that block your progress. Yeah. So it, it's it's much like you mentioned with Overlord. It's it's you're using other characters to do your bidding, hmm. but once you get the hang of it, it's very addicting. Sounds interesting. I, I can't tell you how many times I've played this game. You know, I loved it whenever it first came out for the GameCube. I played through it again a couple of months ago. And then I actually have been even playing it over the last couple of days in prep for 
the review. And the the only drawbacks that I have with it, with the time limit, it makes it very short if you know what you're doing. Yeah, you know, I'm I can beat this game in probably three or to four hours if I really sit down and play it then I can beat it with getting all 30 ship parts hmm. because I almost know from memory where they are and I know the right strategy and the camera system kind of sucks. So it would make more sense. Like if they did sort of an update to this game to make each time you play it, it would be randomly generated where the parts yeah. would be. So I guess that would be, that was the limitation of the GameCube. You couldn't do something like that. Yeah. And it's interesting seeing like all the different wildlife that you have to fight because all of them, as I said, you know, they're pretty basic. So there are these things called spotty bulb orbs, which if you look at the the box art, you see the the thing that the Pikmin's running away from. Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out, I was looking at the box art, trying to figure out what was going on here. <laughs> so that's that's a small one. Like that's a baby bulb orb. Mm -hmm. There are others that are you know, five times that size. And, but the thing is like a lot of these animals are nocturnal and you're on the planet during the day. So most of them are sleeping like these smaller bulb orbs. They're not, but they're pretty easy to kill if you know what you're doing. Yeah. But with the big ones, you have to sneak up behind them and then just start throwing them like crazy onto his back. And then he wakes up, he'll kind of shake them off. And if you don't have, you know, another 15 or 20 already on him, he'll just start you know, eating your Pikmin like candy. Wow. Uh, but they, they get a little more complicated as you go on. I know there you fight. Um, there are frogs that you have to fight. Um, there's a giant spider that you have to fight. That's actually, um, again, if you know what you're doing, it's really easy. But the, the last boss that you have to fight. So if you get all 29 ship parts, you know, you have one remaining you go to what this area that's called the final trial and you fight this thing called emperor Bulbax, which is, I don't even know how big to describe it, but it's easily the biggest boss in the entire game. And the only way to beat it is to get your yellow Pikmin to throw bomb rocks in its mouth as it's about to try and eat your Pikmin. Okay. And that'll stun it for about 10 to 15 seconds and then you just have to have your red pikmin on standby and just start throwing like a madman <laughs> and it normally takes me two days to to beat that uh that area because there's a lot of setup to even get to him yeah and normally by the time i beat him you know it'll be close to sunset because you can't be on the planet at night because all the animals are awake so you have a time limit for each day. You know, you land at sunrise and you leave at sunset. Like if you're still exploring at sunset, this countdown timer will start. And once it hits zero, it cuts to a cutscene where Olimar runs back to his ship. He'll blow his whistle because that's what you use to call the Pikmin to you. Mm -hmm. And they'll go in their onions and you all take off into space. The sad thing is if you leave Pikmin behind, you have to watch them get eaten. <laughs> Poor Pikmin. I know. It's, it's very sad. But oh, another cool um, little um, Nintendo trivia for this thing is that um, Olimar's ship is called the Dolphin, which was the code name for the GameCube. Oh, that's before cool. it was originally changed to the GameCube. Yeah. 
It says here that but, a spinoff game of the series entitled Hey Pikmin was reve- uh, revealed on September 1st, 2016 uh, for the 3DS and released worldwide on Ju- July 28th, 2017. That one I haven't played. That one's more of a side-scroller. Okay. So I don't know how that works compared to the others. But, you know, Pikmin 2 will be a game that that I review somewhere, you know, farther down the road because Pikmin 2 is it's not as good as the first one but it has elements that make it a lot of fun that are different from the first one yeah but I absolutely love this game and it was really well received when it came out you know it was revealed at E3 2001 Pikmin garnered positive reception IGM praised it for its uniqueness and its stunning graphics with only a few negative points such as a poor camera it was awarded the title of Best Puzzle Trivia Parlor Game from the Game Critics Awards, beating out Choo Choo Rocket for the Game Boy Advance. It was also runner-up for Most Original Game. Uh, GamePro gave it 5 stars, GameSpot 8.9, IGN gave it a 9.1, Nintendo Life gave it a 9, uh, Metacritic gave it an 89 out of 100. So it, it did extremely well, wow. you know, as far as critics go. You know, people... People loved it, and when it comes to puzzle games, you know, it's this and Tetris that are my favorites. Yeah. I mean, it got really good scores here, so I would love to actually find a copy of this and and play it. It sounds like it's pretty fun, and I like good strategy games, so sounds like it might be right up my alley. And I've been I think enjoying so. playing my GameCube, too. I'm really enjoying playing the Terminator game. It's really good. I never got to play that one, but I, I'm excited to hear about it, and I'm going to look up some gameplay of it as well. Yeah. But with if you're starting a GameCube collection, this is definitely one of the first that you need to get. It's one of the originals. The gameplay still holds up, and I absolutely love it. It's a game that I can sit down anytime and start a new game, and I can be you know content and happy with it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, uh, Pastor81 in the uh, the chat room said, hello from Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for uh, watching. Yeah, we've had a few but, viewers, but we're starting to drop, so we might be uh, <laughs> getting ready to, <laughs> to close out for tonight. Yeah. But no, as far as a number score for this game, I'd easily give it a solid nine. Wow, that's yep. that's pretty high. Yeah, the the only the only negative parts about it is that the game is really short because with me personally like I know what I'm doing and I'm not saying that to brag, but I'm saying that just because I've played it so many times that it, it's not as much of a challenge to me anymore. Yeah. And the the camera like rotating the camera around Olimar and the Pikmin is a little frustrating especially when you're fighting a boss. Yeah, camera was always a bit of a struggle back in those days. Yeah. But yeah, that's my review of Pikmin. Definitely go play it. Fantastic. Next week I'm going to be reviewing uh, Terminator Redemption for the Nintendo GameCube. So if you want to get prepared, you can look at some uh, gameplay from it. I think that might be Arnold's actual voice in the game. I'm going to have to look that up and make sure. He throws I hope so. Arnold one-liners in there. I don't have a Tuma. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. But is there anything else you wanted to to throw out there before we uh, get out of here? No, um, I guess if you pulled up the uh, the Patreon people, you can give them a shout out, and then we'll do our Halloween announcement. Let's see. It's saying I have the incorrect password. Oh, awesome! <laughs> I can't look. And it it's up also right not. Now. It's not letting me log in on my phone either. I do remember that. Uh, let's see. It was Axblado Seven. And uh, Daniel Salmon. Salmon. And one more. I can't remember. Uh... Let's see. Let me try again on my phone. Patreon. Oh, my computer's sitting at a nice 86%. Fantastic. I guess it's not going to take three days to update. And I may have it. Okay. All right. Let's see. Uh, no, never mind. That's Nerd Cave Network, not Nerd Cave Retro. <laughs> well, thank you guys anyway for uh, um, being Patreon supporters. And um, was it Tyler Watson that's another Patreon supporter? I can't remember. I'm not sure. I would bring up Google Chrome because that's where all my passwords are. But it's going to crash my computer if I bring that up. So. That's a CPU hog. It, it does that. But um, but for our Halloween announcement, me, Derek, and I have decided that um, Derek, you 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 said you've never seen any of the Halloween movies, right? I have not. Okay, so what we're gonna do? We're gonna do two separate episodes. We're going to review Halloween one and two, and that's gonna be one episode. Then. Mm-hmm. We're going to review Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, as its own separate episode, because that's actually one of my favorite uh, horror movies of all time. Even though people say it sucks, I just have this one thing to say. You're wrong. It's a great movie. So <laughs> we're going to do that one separate. If I remember right, I think we talked about we're going to review Halloween 1 and 2 on this show. Mm-hmm. And yes. then we're going to review Halloween 3 on the Derek Diamond experience. Yes, that's how we're going to do it's, it. It's like, a, it's like a companion show. Yes. So um, you'll have to listen to this show and then hop over to the Derek Diamond experience to get the part two of part three <laughs> of the <laughs> Halloween series. Uh, Halloween discussion part two. Yes. Halloween 3. And that is a great movie. So if you want to go ahead and get prepared, <laughs> you can go ahead and start watching them now. Or you can wait till uh, October which is a great time to watch the Halloween series. Um, so get prepared for that. That's coming in October. And we've, we've also, uh, I'll leave it up to you as whether or not we release the actual date, but we have, we have set a date to finally do the wrestling podcast. Yes, we'll be recording it um, next week, actually. Yeah, next, uh, the next 20... Thursday. Hang on, why am I not, why's my calendar not pulling up? The 29th. The 29th. Yes. And uh, I think we'll release it the next day. So we'll release it on, uh, on Friday. On Friday? On Friday. So I think that's it. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, throw out there before we, uh, before we leave this evening? Uh, thanks to everyone for the, uh, the birthday wishes. Oh, yeah. Uh, my birthday. birthday was on Sunday. So yeah. that was, um, it was a, a good chill day. Wish I could have came and over and celebrated with you, but uh, couldn't get out of town that day. No worries. No, it was uh, so. Thanks to everyone who you know reached out for the birthday wishes, and 
Uh, yeah, the Derek Diamond Experience returns uh, September 5th, which is, I believe, two weeks away, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. So I got to start editing the interviews I have in the can. Yes. But with with baseball season, you know, about to wrap up, I'll I'm probably going to set aside a full day to knock all that stuff out. So that way it's it's all over and done with. Yeah, that's cool. But other than that, you can follow the show at D Diamond Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're interested in watching me and Mr. Wallace Phelps do comedy and you're in the Biloxi area, you can come to the Wayward Kraken Bar uh, on, uh, what is it? What street is that? On Howard Avenue in Biloxi, uh, right next to the View Marche. Um, come out and do, uh, watch us do comedy on Monday night starting at 730 and um, we've been getting some massive, massive crowds in this tiny little bar to, to see us do comedy. So please, if you're in the area, Monday night, 730, come check us out. You could uh, follow it. It's uh, at Craig Kraken, uh, C-R-A-I-G-K-R-A-K-E-N on Twitter and the Wayward Kraken Bar on Facebook. And you can uh, follow the event page on uh, Facebook. And it's been fun. Once baseball wraps, I'm definitely going to try and make it out there on a Monday. You need to. It's so fun. Like We had so many people in there last night. I, it, it was pretty much capacity in that tiny little bar. It was awesome. That's great. Uh, it's been getting bigger and bigger, and they're going to start getting uh, some touring comics through there. So starting to build up a little scene. It's awesome to be in at the ground floor. It's been really fun. That's great. But, uh, but I think that's, that's awesome. going to do it for tonight. And uh, let me go ahead and play our music. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfontastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And, of course, we talked about the Patreon over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if you can't throw us a buck a month, Leave us a review wherever you listen to the show, even on Spotify. We're on Spotify. Yes, we are on Spotify. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Wow. Master Blaster runs by the town.